This is the one with black versus white. Eternals versus Ephemerals. Baron versus Baron. Turlo versus the title of tremendous titting turncoat. And halyards on a spaceship. It's called Enlightenment. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trotting down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, beautiful people of podcast land. Uh, how are you doing? Hope you're doing well. You are tuning in once again to another fantastic marvellous, stupendous episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. I think you'll find that that's a doc past. Oh, oh, thank you for the correction. <laughs> oh, what what sage words coming from such a beautiful face. Oh, it must be none other than Leon. Tis I. <laughs> hello, Jim. Hello, podcast land. Hello, Leon. Uh, yeah, hello, hello, podcast land. Um, and I am Jim. Yes. Correct. We are your hosts for this evening, and we'll be talking to you about oh, some kind of enlightenment from yeah. C128. Uh, that's right. Apparently, a hugely divisive serial. Uh, in that we didn't really like it, but everyone else seems to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, a little bit of a fan favourite. But we did a brief little discussion before we started recording, because we, for disclosure, accidentally, or on purpose, did notice some of the review scores coming in oh, from it, the podcast. Totally on purpose for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> totally on purpose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, likewise for me. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> we purposefully looked at them and were astonished at the discrepancies. But it's not going to stop us. We are going to say what we need to say. Try not to um, offend anyone, obviously. But... Yeah, it's probably going to be an interesting turn of affairs. Okay, let's not dive into anything. Let's not do any top top level questions. Let's just get the B scout out of the way, and then we can okay. start from there. Maybe, hey? Yeah, oh, uh, a vast. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling to think of another nautical freight. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Just as the TARDIS is on the fritz, the Fifth Doctor and his chums are summoned by the White Guardian to participate in a space regatta alongside some cosplaying Eternals. Apparently, it's imperative that the right team win, as Enlightenment itself is the prize. However, Turlow's still there, of course, you can be sure that the Black Guardian isn't far away either. And so a game of endless backstabbing commences. Will the android-like and arbitrarily good Eternals win and learn about love? Or will the archetypally bad Eternals take charge and claim enlightenment? Well, uh, that's what we're about to discuss. <laughs> Peace out over. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard, that is. <laughs> oh, ho, 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 ho. Like, no, it's not pirates. Like, sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that clears everything up. Now we know what this is about. The question remains, why? <laughs> Would you care to take a stab at that? Why any of this happens? Why someone wrote this script? Why, why what? <laughs> 
Well, why is this race happening? Uh, what? Okay, to, to clarify, these Eternals, they are immortal. And to bide their time, just to pass the time, they uh, kidnap humans from different eras and force them to cosplay aboard ships that look like they come from Earth, from the respective periods, because one of them will win this race, apparently organized by the Black Guardian and the White Guardian, who are also known as the Enlighteners, and the winners will receive enlightenment? It, I mean, there are so many, so many... It, do you want me to go on, Jim? You're looking at me perplexed here. <laughs> uh, no, it I'm just amazed. It doesn't seem like they're just doing this to pass the time. No, you're, you're very right to call all this into question because yeah i i was very confused about this in general and i summed it up slightly differently this this kind of why questioning mo okay. motive i guess or yeah. like who's who's really calling the shots and why and yeah. my my kind of big opening question in that vein was going to be did the black guardian actually care which eternal won the race i mean that's a yeah that's a good question he does say that if the pirates win they and they receive enlightenment they will basically use that knowledge for evil and chaos will once again reign across the universe. But would that not got be the... the case regardless of who wins? Exactly. I got the impression that's just what Eternals are like. You know, yeah. the, the physical universe is their plaything. They already exercise that want and this would just give them more power and motivation for fucking it up even more basically <laughs> yeah exactly okay who organized this game was it the two guardians now you summed it up the way you did i feel like it has to have been them otherwise there has to be a third party that's convinced them to give up this <laughs> enlightenment prize or whatever you know <laughs> yeah exactly so they're like the b celebrity that shows up just to hand over a trophy the black and white Guardians, they are like the David Hasselhoff of this universe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, seems... the Green Guardian couldn't be here this evening, um, so on his behalf, we'll but be offering up If he were here, the... he'd say something like, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I talked over you there. Oh my god. But the thing is, the, the way that those two act uh, throughout this entire serial, and I literally do mean act, because they're both terrible, um, like, I could believe uh, wait, that they which had two? the, 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 the Guardians? Yes, oh, right, the yeah. Guardians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're so over the top. And this is where you and I are going to disagree. I love them. I particularly <laughs> wait, wait, love the Black time, Guardian. Last time I was kind of enjoying the Black Guardian and you hated him. And now it's flipped. What? <laughs> oh, really? Wait, I, maybe you convinced me. Maybe that's what happened. The, the Black Guardian, here, especially when he has his maniacal cartoon villain uh, laugh, his... <laughs> oh, it is so terrible. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> love it. Do you know what else I really love? I love that they're wearing birds for hair. Oh, God. Like, I, I don't mind wigs, the Black Guardian great. one so much. The White Guardian one, though, is <laughs> pathetic. It's like a, a... What's the, like, duck thing that you put on your head when you're hunting or something? It's like that just got Yeah, like a wooden mallard his... kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the, the other thing is that, um, like, that it almost does give credence to someone else calling the shots. Is I don't understand where the power has gone from these these two guardians. Like we've said this about the Black Guardian in previous serials, but now we get it in the form of the White Guardian struggling to appear in the TARDIS, and the Docs having to get like energy from the TARDIS to boost a signal of like hologram White Guardian. I mean, what the fuck? These are meant to be. 
like the most powerful beings in the universe. Yeah, this is very different to the first episode of The Key to Time, when uh, it, the White Guardian transports the TARDIS somewhere, opens the door, and we see him in the form of the Colonel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's like there. queuing all over KFC. the place, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, very different. So maybe the Black Guardian is more powerful, or maybe the little diamond thing that Turlo has aboard of the TARDIS is sabotaging. You know, like maybe that's in some way causing some interference. I don't know. But, okay, another Black Guardian mystery. Is this what the Black Guardian trilogy is about? I mean, this marks the end of the so-called Black Guardian trilogy. Starts off with him kidnapping Turlo and uh, trying to get Turlo to murder the Doctor. Was all of that in aid of helping Captain Rack, best name ever, to win the Enlightenment Prize in part three. I mean, if it was, I don't get it, because as, we, as we've already said, it feels like any of the Eternals could have won and still would have jeopardized the universe. I mean, I guess you might want the Doc out of the picture in general, but I mean, the fact that Doc ends up winning the race and so none of the Eternals get the prize... That wouldn't have happened in a million years unless the White Guardian asked him. And by well, sounds of it, Turlo helped him win because of the, the chain of events that left them to in charge of the ship or whatever. You know, the Black Guardian would have had to soothsay all of that and then tried to subvert it, but then accidentally kind of made it all happen. It was that kind of weird, stupid logic that I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Plus, the Eternals exist outside of time. What we are viewing here, th- that doesn't it doesn't happen in any particular time, right? Like, it, it happens sort of always, slash never. Am I right in thinking that? Like, they don't exist no, in time. I, they don't, but I think they've all manifested in a particular physical time point. Oh, okay. They, well, they're certainly they're in the solar system. I don't know if they say what time period they are, because, I mean, they're just in space, so maybe it's not that relevant as the plot goes. Yeah, that's true. Although they have plucked people from Earth from different times. Yeah. So that's kind of why... So either they are able to dip in and out of any time they like, pick up some, you know, some pirates, wherever, and then they manifest in the future and put everyone in the same place or they take them out of time, which is how I perceived it. But it, it actually, it doesn't really... Like, no, no, I refuse to acknowledge that this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> this absolutely does not make sense. There is another serial called The War Games, which this is a little similar to, but War Games makes more sense. In War Games, I think he's called the Warlord. He might also have been a Gallifreyan, I can't remember. Sort of like a, you know, a Time Lord, a Warlord, whatever. Oh, I'm probably getting this completely wrong. Either way, some aliens are kidnapping humans, human soldiers from various eras, and forcing them to fight each other in order to mm. learn their military strategies and determine how, like, what is the greatest military strategy. And so there you have soldiers from, like, the First World War versus, um, I, I want to say, I want to say, like, soldiers from the American South, from the Civil War. Like, and there might have been Nazis. I can't remember. Like, there, there are, either way, there are soldiers from lots of different eras fighting alongside aliens. And here, you kind of get the same thing, but they're not trying to learn anything from them. And it's not like, I mean, it's all cosplay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the serial upsets I mean, that's, that me. sums it up, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's again one of those situations where I just feel uh, the utmost, utmost frustration because there's some interesting stuff here, like the whole plucking people out of time thing. I mean... As you as you were kind of trying to walk through it all, 
I started imagining basically a, the start of Wacky Races. It was like they've Wait, all what's gone Wacky off. Races? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was an old cartoon, and you had like oh god, what, what were they like? Cave cavemen in a car, you know, Flintstone okay. style. I think I can't remember if it actually motivated itself or if they ran really fast. But and then you would have Dick Darcy and Muttley. I don't know if you you know that reference. No, literally the stereotypical guy with the curly mustache being evil. And okay, yeah. So basically, a load of misfit cars and their drivers and occupants and it's yeah a total mishmash of styles and time periods and and ideas and i could yeah picture that as the setup for this race it's like the Eter- the eternals all pop up in different different times and go right i'm gonna take that ship with these people and you know that's my that's my mishmash crew and and vessel and they all appear on the starting line okay yeah that makes about as much sense i, I sure <laughs> I, i'm not familiar with the reference but i can absolutely picture that but okay so you know that's quite a neat idea that there are these really powerful beings and they've plucked people from the earth and they've you know manufactured a setup so that these vessels that used to go on the sea can go through space you know yeah love that idea. Uh, also idea. Uh, racing to obtain enlightenment in and of itself is also a really neat idea i like it yeah 100 percent. really cool concept the concept of the officers in this ship being so otherworldly, you know, for want of a better term, like proper yeah. alien, like not understanding emotion properly. I mean, the Mariner love stuff we can get onto because that's just weird. But <laughs> that's super creepy. Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. want to ha- hear your opinions about that. <laughs> But I think Stryker in particular really liked his way of just being so cutthroat about everything, like does not care about physical stuff, like being so arrogant. And I guess I'm going to probably make this comparison a lot, but, you know, a bit Q-like and just seeing, oh, no, you're... yeah. Boring physical beings, and but then, but then the other side of that really nice concept is that they have basically no imagination. They need ephemerals to let them have fun. Otherwise, they just have a boring existence, you know. Yeah, and to experience emotion, and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are great concepts, but I just I feel like the meat of there and what's interesting about it is is just the fluff around the edge of this story. That's not what is driving this. It's um, it's just kind of lost in the rest of it. This is something that. I- I mean, I haven't read the novelization of this, but this is something that might be more interesting if you read it, in, if you learn more about the universe, the world in which it takes place. We also yeah, learn nothing about the sailors who are hypnotized and what's happening to them, you know, what is their experience? Nothing. We don't get to meet a single pirate, I believe, like a real pirate. We only get to see cosplaying pirates, Eternals. Yeah, true. And there's a whole other ship that gets blown up. There's tons going on here and it's yeah, just kind the, of glazed what, over wait what which, which one's blow up so the grecian ship is the first one and we get to see a shot of some dude on is, a throne before don't it remember up. that but i'm pretty sure that's the ship that gets blown up by rack yeah and then the second one gets blown up and i've forgotten because she basically she hands over these gems and somehow uses the black guardian's power to focus some bigger gem on, yeah. on them and makes things blow up okay i like that too can... i like that too that's a cool idea hey I've got a gigantic eyeball-shaped laser that allows me to focus some other dude's <laughs> energy onto particular stones. That's all it can do. <laughs> and now the whole trick is she needs to get those gemstones in the hands of her opponents, her, her competitors. That, I mean, that's it's... fine. I can deal with that. 
I can deal with that if that was a physical person doing that. I don't, I like, the levels of things are just all over the place. Putting aside how wibbly-wobbly the, the powers of the Guardians have been throughout the last few seasons of Doctor Who in general, you know, they've yeah. come from such, such power to then just pathetic people that, I mean, the Black Guardian, we keep saying this, like, should have the power to kill the Doctor, and he's relying on Turdlow, as he appeared in my notes, because I was so pissed <laughs> off with him. Um... <laughs> Okay. Turdlow to do the job for him because, uh, yeah, anyway. But so then you've got this eternal person who has given herself a physical form just for shits and giggles, then stood in a chamber underneath this massive physical gemstone in the shape of an eye, using the power of the Black Guardian to then focus it on another physical crystal. I don't know. It was just really weird. Like, what power does an eternal have? What power does an enlightened guardian have? Yeah. And why are they both channeling stuff in the physical world in in different i don't know it's just none of this made sense to me it was just all these different levels of power none of them properly defined and it's just like exactly okay, for this scene yeah this scene is going to be the channels it through a crystal. Okay, this scene, the Black Guardian can appear out of nowhere and start. Does he wait? Does he strangle someone at some point? I've forgotten. Yeah, he he yeah, basically strangles. strangles yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I noted that down as well. This is absolute evidence that he can physically manipulate the world as well. He doesn't need to manipulate someone psychologically to get them to physically manipulate something. Like he didn't have to Darren Brown Turlow to try to bludgeon Doc with a rock in the first exactly. episode in this trilogy. He could clearly just have gone somewhere and pushed Doc. Yeah, or, you know, pushed a rock onto Doc. Or, you know, any number of amazing Anything. things. Like he Anything. could Wiley Coyote the hell out of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Acme Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, So and the other thing, like, through this serial like we're told that these eternals live outside of the physical universe they can do incredible things they could they've got telepathy which like varies dramatically throughout this serial and that pissed me off but then at one point you see um i think he's called mansell who is rack's second in command and arguably or possibly not arguably the worst actor ever to appear in a doctor who serial or the best <laughs> <laughs> i mean Side note, he's actually a musician and he had never acted before when he appeared in this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. uh, I kind of love him. He's, I, he's yeah, so he was absurdly cool. alien. <laughs> the I think the first scene where he actually spoke, I was like, I don't know if you're really cool or just really shit at acting. And then his next <laughs> scene was like, oh no, it's really shit at acting. Okay. <laughs> Again, or really good at it. <laughs> 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 like so good that he has imperceptibly gone almost full circle. <laughs> 359 just... degrees of good. <laughs> He's shaking hands past his butt. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but the, yeah, the point is this character literally teleports over to Stryker's ship to deliver a message. Wait, does he teleport there? Doesn't he go over in a rowboat, quote unquote? I think they do that later, but I'm pretty oh, sure... Okay. There's a scene where he, I, I think he comes to collect the reply or he's, I forget exactly what the setup was, but it was like, they're on the bridge in the wheelhouse, whatever. And yeah. you you see there's Stryker, there's Mariner, the Doc, 
maybe some other people, you know. And then I think it pans across them all, and you're seeing Doc, and maybe Doc's saying something, and then cut back, either a pan back or a straight cut again, and Mansell is stood in the middle of them, and he's right, okay, handing over the note or collecting the note, and it's like either this is bad edit or this is him teleporting, and I took it that he was teleporting. Yeah. Also, it's a really small gem that they need to put aboard their competitor's ship. Couldn't he just have brought it there himself? Tucked it away yeah. somewhere? I feel like that was uh, or, maybe th- again, that would have been the easiest thing. Again, any number of things. I mean, he could have teleported with some dynamite. He could have teleported something before him. You know, he could have teleported some energy. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, just what teleport are these... the gem. <laughs> like, like, just teleport yeah. that into the hold when no one's ever going to find it and then blow him up. <laughs> Exactly. That was a couple of things I had in my notes. Is like, why the pretense with these gems? Why the pretense with, I don't know, just the, the Eternals having this these kind of character traits about them when they're not they're not human they're not physical they're just so different and then down to, down to smaller scale things that just didn't make sense but don't really affect anything why the pretense with the spacesuits like you can stand up yeah, on deck space... and breathe wait that's that's a super good point yes that holy moly that's a good point they <laughs> are <laughs> they're aboard a regular quote unquote regular wooden sailboat it's floating through space. We get the line. There's a force field surrounding the ship. We see yeah. people without a mask. Oh, sorry, without a helmet. If you want to keep the pirates or the Edwardian sailors or the Grecians or whomever else <laughs> stuck in the illusion of just manning a regular ship, then don't put them in spacesuits. Yeah. Plus, none of them will have a clue what a spacesuit is. Like, they might think it's diving apparatus or something. Like, the the mariners, the the Grecians aren't. The Grecians aren't even going to recognize a diving suit. But... Yeah. And also, like, if they did understand, if anyone had an inkling about having to wear a spacesuit because there's, like, the vacuum of space outside, you're on a wooden fucking boat. It's not going to be, like, Airtight. keeping you safe from the vacuum of space. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> I may have mentioned this before, but in the, the serial The Moon Base, the Cybermen prove if you are on a moon base and you are trying to keep the vacuum of space outside, but there's a gigantic hole in your wall, all you need to do is pile sacks of sugar in front of said hole, and you will be fine. Yeah. So, well, I um, mean, obviously, yeah. that's scientifically proven. That's okay, but would no because of sugar. Yeah, no, actually, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you make a good point, sir. <laughs> I mean, sugar me turned into uh, crystals. Into I thought you started uh, a pirate phrase there. I thought you were going to go into timbers, like sugar me timbers. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's a super good point. I'm going to deduct some points for that. Um, definitely, it, like from the rating, diagonal. <laughs> I just, okay, I'm w- sorry. There why is, is there a crew so there many at all? things? <laughs> why is there a crew there at all? Yes, yeah. that's a very why good is there question. A crew? I hadn't thought about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why is there a crew, and what is it that they are doing above deck when the Eternals put them in spacesuits, give them a shot of rum, and send them up on deck? What is it that they're doing? They don't have to man sails, right? Or or do they? Do they need to man sails? Yeah, I think that's what they were doing. Like, I did not buy that for a second. It's like, oh, you know know solar wind? Um, We're using that. Yeah, okay. I mean... My level of understanding of solar wind is it exists. <laughs> and I feel I feel like yep. that was the same understanding as the writer of this serial. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I don't care. I love that as an idea. I also love that. Oh I mean, no, the the winds have died down. <laughs> You're right. That's why they have a crew to man I mean, I the guess, sails. I guess, but I also feel like the Eternals probably like the thing is. They want to be entertained. This is playtime for them. Yeah. Right? Yes. Even though they don't know the concept of fun. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe it's rich boy playtime versus everyday folk playtime. Because I would think oh, that's it's right. more yeah. fun <laughs> to sail the boat yourself, or it's fun to interact with the sailors, which they do neither of. They, yeah, you're right. But then I've, I've just tweaked. It's because they're posh They're posh people having fun. Like, they want to sit <laughs> just just in the the uh, in the bridge and just let everyone else do the work, and then they get the sense of racing their ship. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. But this ship also has lots of electronics and like various sci-fi gizmos aboard. Oh, yeah, true. At one point, they lift a little wooden panel, and there are... There are electronics there. There are some buttons to press. Yeah. Feels like so they don't really need a crew. They've outrigged something? I can't remember what those button presses were meant to do in the context of the story. I don't remember do either. No. But point is, that crew, yes, they might be manning the sails, but they are utterly pointless. Because the ship is not that kind of ship. And for most of the time, what we see the crew doing is just playing cards and reading a newspaper from a few days ago. Yes. Oh, yeah. I loved how that was a a thing as well. Him him going, oh, you you, you won't want to read that. It's a couple of days old. And then it's a revelation that on a boat, like, (laughs) at a time period where if you went on a boat, you were on a boat for weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Doc's like, oh, my goodness, this newspaper is a couple of days old. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind yesterday's yeah. news. This is several days ago. <laughs> well, it's nice that he uses that as a means of deducing what year these chaps come from. But then we never hear from them again. The, these dudes are just there. This seemed to be for a while a potential subplot of, well, maybe the, the Eternals are putting something in, in the grog, in this, this shot of rum that they're forcing everyone to drink before they go up on deck. Because there's one sailor who is teetotal, and he may not be similarly affected, but they really want him to drink. And it's like, that's another plot line that is, it's meaningless. It has nothing to do with it. None of the sailors yeah. go, holy fuck, we are in space. They just go, oh, we must be drunk. Wait, is that why everyone, what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, the the sailors thing is just nonsense, isn't it? Which is a shame, actually, because I, I have a plus thumbs up note of the realistic sailor banter. Like, oh, nice. it was, yeah, it was maybe not perfect, but I, I quite liked that crammed room full of full of sailors that were just like throwing lines backwards and forwards. Yeah, I think that was a nice. I agree. I, I also thought that was good, but it seemed as though we would get more of it. As in, it, it seemed as though that would actually be an important part of the story. It was not. At the oh, yeah, end, 100%. the ships disappear. The Eternals disappear disappear we can only assume that the sailors disappear where to are they just erased do they wake up back in their respective ports and go wow i must have blacked out from all that rum because i dreamt that i was sailing around space i agree though i think it's well written that banter is very well written and in fact 
I have two consecutive notes in uh, part one. In my notes, I've written, this is one of the least interesting serials yet. And then <laughs> shortly thereafter, I've written, spaceships slash space ships. Okay, now I am interested. Because I thought the aesthetics were fantastic. It was kind of cool to see that there, there was going to be this weird race in space. It seemed so incredibly promising. But then all of those are red herrings. Maybe I mean, maybe that's the genius of this serial. They're just, you know, they're dangling potential B-plots in front of you so that you're not going to think of the Black Guardian, but it's kind of difficult not to, given fucking everything. But also, I mean, at this point, I mean, we know that um, it's a Black Guardian thing because we knew this was a trilogy, but we've always mm-hmm. already seen the White Guardian. We didn't know... That's true. We hadn't, be, hadn't been named as the White Guardian, but, I mean, it was a dude in white robes. Um, yeah. Maybe they're not red... Oh. I'm trying to I'm trying to defend the serial. Okay, here are a couple of things that I thought were really positive. The <laughs> fuck I just realized as I was about to say this, this is another thing that they never revisit. In part 2 of this four-parter, we find out that one of the rooms, the room where Tegan is, is a, a, an eclectic mix of her room aboard the TARDIS and her old bedroom, quote, back in Brisbane. Yeah, I mean we sort of do get that continuing because this is it's just the fact that they're telepathic or so they are tailoring the ship guess... according to the people who are aboard it perhaps like they're they're trying to make them comfortable or maybe but again it's is... just like it's a weird use of power that's never seen anywhere else like and it's yeah and it brings a lot of the other things they do into question of like why couldn't they have exerted more power in that situation like if they can go into tegan's brain and create a picture of her aunt and recreate her room mismatched with you know two different styles or whatever why can't they do so many other things like why can't rack do so many other things that she wants to do without the elaborate schemes that she ends up doing for example yeah true you know <laughs> and I guess I guess the, the point of that as well is it's showing well potentially it's leading on to the whole Mariner weird love affair thing that's true okay so that's another thing that I thought was really really well done in the beginning before he turns into a massive creep and that is I mean, when Tegan into... <laughs> okay when he when he reveals himself to just always have been a massive creep but in the beginning when Tegan is in the TARDIS we get to see him <laughs> peeping Tom into the TARDIS via the massive (laughs) (laughs) the scanner and then when she goes out and she's in the hold I must have misunderstood what was happening I thought she knocked him out turned around and there he was again she leaves the room uh, there he is again I thought that was all the same dude but she must have knocked out a different Eternal like there must be three different Eternals there right I yeah I was a bit confused about that as well because I did the exact same thing and I at the end of it wasn't sure if it was meant to have been him three times but okay now i'm thinking it is the same guy <laughs> i'm gonna flip-flop on this i'm sorry I'm, I'm now thinking it is the same guy that makes that scene all the more effective that scene is creepy as balls it's incredibly well done it's very well shot as well acted as well everything but again that doesn't hold up like this whole serial seems to be a mosaic of lots of different impressions of what a cool what what a cool thing to do might be wouldn't it be cool if you knock him out but he appears right next to you cuz you know that's a thing mm. well then there's no threat to them so what's the problem like why would why would there be a problem if someone tried to blow up 
your shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it, I think it's just, it just keeps coming back to the same thing, at least at least for me. Maybe I'm just fixating on too much. But yeah, this idea of how inconsistent the power of these, for one of a better phrase, uh, these race of peoples, um, these these entities, yeah, what power they, they possess. And this is another instance where it's it's never used again. This that they can just manifest themselves physically three feet away or yeah like i I think we even see at the same time i think you pan across the the i think so too on the floor to see him stood up like it like there's multiple copies of him yes exactly i thought he was a robot i thought it was a ship manned by identical robots at first but okay you know what i definitely questioned robot yeah something really positive that comes out of this later on in part three he uh, creep, Mister Mar- Mister Mariner. By the way, points deducted for that name, Mariner creep. He tries to read her mind, and Tegan blocks him out and goes, "No, you are not getting anything from me. Like effectively, I do not consent." And the fact that she's able to block out a telepath is badass. Yeah, well done, Tegan. It's badass, but I okay, I took it as a negative, really, because that's just. Like- like, what the fuck? How how can she do that? Like, she's just a human from 1980 or whatever. Yeah. This is an eternal. <laughs> we have no idea yep, what their right. powers are. Like, we've just said, he could, or at least them as a group, could, but previous to this, read her mind, work out, like, images from her childhood and more recent memories of her room on the TARDIS, her aunt, like, can get all this stuff out of her mind and then she can just turn it turn it off. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> Why are you questioning this? Yeah, I don't know. Like, <sighs> okay, fine. Here's another thing that's absolutely amazing. Okay, come. The vacuum room, the grid room, with the gigantic vacuum shield on/off switch and the gigantic vacuum shield off blinking sign on the wall <laughs> inside the room, which. I don't think that's how vacuums work, like in space. (laughs) You turn off that thing. It's not like you're gradually slipping on the floor. You're now in a vacuum. (laughs) But I love it. That's a prop. Someone made that. (laughs) Someone made that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, someone commissioned that. (laughs) They made the hell out of that thing. (laughs) Yeah, love it. It's so good. (laughs) I think it might just slide into the bad so it's good. For me, yeah, oh yeah, oh, I think I yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah. The the turdlo sliding around when the vacuum had been when the vacuum shield had been removed, uh, fuck no. <laughs> Especially uh, the what was what it, was it when he was like trying to dip his toe in, like he was checking if the water yeah, why is was he doing that? Hot. What? <laughs> Yeah, what's the point of that? Exactly. It's so dumb. And then he's humping the floor and he has to slide away because, oh no, he might get sucked out into space. There's a hole in the floor. Yeah, you are in space now. (laughs) Okay, question for you. The switch on the wall outside of the grid room that says vacuum shields, it has not one, not two, but three settings. It has on, off, and medium. What does medium mean? Oh, I totally miss medium. Wow. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it just means it's been cooked. Just a little bit of vacuum in the room. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> 
Okay, and that, this is starting to reframe this in my mind. Is this entire serial just a piss take? Am I getting annoyed at stuff that I'm meant to be annoyed at because it's it's just tongue-in-cheek? <laughs> might be. Yeah, might be. <laughs> okay, more questions. If you throw yourself overboard, then you are floating through space and you can get netted. You can get caught in a net. But if you walk the plank and you fall overboard, you are erased from space and time. So, okay, this one I think I can explain. Because oh, explain. I think this is Turdlow being ephemeral, throwing himself into space. And that's what happens with physical things that go into space. Um, the second one was an eternal being made to walk the plank. Oh, oh, I see. And yeah, wait, they so they are undoing eternal. Went back to to their state of non physical, non existent thing. Oh, I see. Oh, right. They're basically sort of they're they're disqualified from participating in the regatta. Is that what's happening? Yeah, I I'm think so. Which I don't know. They're if... kicked out of the contest. Yeah. So either either there's a a physical aspect to it like they can only be physical inside like the the enclosed bubble of the ship or oh, okay it's it's all a dramatic effect and it's like they can vanquish whoever they want to vanquish whenever and they do it when this guy walks the plank i i, oh, interesting. Um, I didn't quite get the mechanics of it but that's i think there was something that um rack said that made it sound like that anyway that we do get to see a whole bunch of pirates cheering when that chap walks the plank and is erased do you think they are real pirates, or are they I, also Eternals? I assumed it was probably a mishmash of both. Okay, okay. oh, cool. Yeah. I, have, so, I don't know. Uh, rats, we get to see some, some actual pirates then. I take it back. I found a note, by the way, about the chap on the throne, Cretus the Greek. That was the guy. Oh, oh Cretus, eh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cretus. I wonder where he's from. <laughs> These freaking names, eh? These freaking names. I think it's probably from Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another thing that's great. We said how much we dislike the fact that they have to wear spacesuits when they go on deck because they don't need spacesuits. But yeah. those spacesuits look incredible. They, I think, I, I would say they mostly do. I wasn't so sure about them okay, yeah. in the well-lit studio stuff. But just, I mean, the spacesuits and just in general, the on-deck stuff was frigging gorgeous. Oh, yeah. With the, the real mood lighting. And then the one the one moment where they glance off and watch the pirate ship in the distance. Yeah, that was just So eerie. So, yeah, beautiful. Absolutely agree mm. with you. Yeah, I mean, they're very uh, interesting designs, spacesuit as well. Like it's, yeah. um, good I like that they're at, in different also, colors. Yeah, but they, they looked they looked practical at the same time as looking cool. Yeah, agreed. Go on, there um, must be something about this that okay, you liked. Uh, okay, I, I have some thumbs up through here. I, All right, here we go. I'm going to... I'm going to do a thumbs up, actually, for the guy who I've been shitting all over with his name, uh, Turdlow, because in episode four, yeah, <laughs> I actually really liked... I mean, he's he's doing Adric through a, much of this serial, like he's, he's being the turncoat, but then he uses that as... I th- I'm convinced this time, I wasn't always convinced when Adric would do this kind of shit, but I'm convinced in this instance that he was doing it as a purposeful plan to distance himself from the dock. Like he was trying to side with the bad guys and gets uh, Doc and Tegan sent back to Stryker's ship. And he stays on Rack's ship to basically, I don't know, try and help out from that side and sabotage things or whatever. 
but it seemed like an intentional plan. I think that was done quite well. Do, wait, do you actually think that that's what he does when he's like, oh, he's a spy? Yeah, I think in that instance, I think earlier on he was being a turncoat and just a shitbag. I can't remember the exact, the exact circumstances, but I, I think in episode four, but at that point, him and Doc have had enough time together. And I mean, is this after? Yeah, I think he's already tried to kill himself. Yeah, I mean, when he's, he's tried to fling himself overboard. He has flung himself overboard, in fact. Yeah. This, by the way, is the only reason that they have spacesuits, I reckon. Because if if they didn't have spacesuits, they would have to come up with some other explanation for why he survives when he throws himself overboard. Uh, interesting. I uh, Actually, I guess that kind of explains them in general. They're, they're effectively a life vest. Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I could accept that, I suppose. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not quite as shit as it could have been. Okay. I, I, I'm not quite sure why I have a fun thumbs up against this i have a thumbs up and a smiley face against so the start of episode three when they're they're trying to rescue Tur- turtle and just it being an absolute shambles and jackson the the one crew member the teetotaler who we do spend a little bit of extra time with like i don't think yeah. any of the others say anything after they that original scene at one point he's he's shouting like wait the line's not attached as they're they're about to throw oh, out yeah. the life life ring <laughs> and it's just like that would have just flown off into space and they were <laughs> would have been yeah. stood there with a the rope going, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> again? <laughs> Damn it, that's how we lost Billingsley, Bob last you had week. one job. <laughs> and I, just, yeah, I don't know why that was in there. Like, I mean, it, it's presumably, like, if you're sat watching this in 1983, <laughs> maybe you've been conditioned to care about Turlo. I don't know. I'm not quite buying that. But, you know, it's still, this is probably very dramatic stuff in 1983, even Doctor Who. Um, one of the TARDIS crew is floating out into space and then, yeah, there's just this absolute cock-up of a, a rescue and very nearly just dies through accident. Yeah, uh, love it. Also, I mean, this is a, a serial featuring the same uh, Doctor who also at one point swam through space. Oh, Do you remember yeah. that? When he was just floating through space, he was just wearing a helmet, not even a suit, and he, he throws a cricket ball and that propels oh, yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> So in the same universe where that was allowed to happen, this chap, I mean, they they could have just thrown the ring at him. Maybe that could have been a thing. They could have thrown that ring at him, realized, oh, crap, it isn't attached. And then just by catching the ring, he is then propelled back towards the buccaneer i think i think doc would have had to do a trick shot and like throw it out a rack ship get it bounce back and then catch oh to get him back back. to uh, yeah that's true that yeah that is true (laughs) (laughs) which based on the previous one i I wouldn't have put it past them (laughs) yeah but then again this does that cock up does allow him to be caught by the buccaneer netted by the pirates I mean, yeah, the, effectively, whatever they would have done on Stryker's ship wouldn't have rescued him. But I don't know. I, I just enjoyed how, how much yeah, of me a, too. a, a fast Love it. it was. And also, uh, whilst that's happening, you have the absolute dead cold mariner saying, it'll be over very quickly. His oxygen supply yeah. is very small. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I mean, so cold. Friggin' loved it. <laughs> that's great, right? That's actually really cool. Yeah. So this was written by Barbara Clegg, one of incredibly few female writers on the show. And it was also directed by a woman, Fiona Cumming. Uh, I recognize that name. Yeah, we've had Fiona Cumming before. (laughs) There's punctuation in there. Uh, (laughs) um, As you said it, I I heard what you were... (laughs) Your cogs were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That, that was unintentional, I promise. But yeah, so this is one of incredibly few times that that has happened, certainly at the time. In fact, it might be the first time in Doctor Who history that a serial was both written by and directed by women. Mm, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, progress by I the mean, BBC. I mean, not good stuff that it took till 1983, but I think actually in the grand scheme of things, that is probably quite incredible. Yeah, progressive in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Barbara Clegg never wrote another serial. That's a shame. Like like I said, I think there right? are some really interesting things in here. And I've just seen an incredibly intriguing bit of trivia about the writing as well. Because it oh, says yeah? that she based the Eternals on a wealthy group of her relatives. I mean, I feel like I ticked that mock. Oh yeah, well done. <laughs> Who, upon visiting her, had demanded constant entertainment and treating other family members almost as lesser beings. I mean, what an amazing premise to, you know, launch from and then end up with this <laughs> yeah her relatives must be so chuffed <laughs> <laughs> yeah imagine I feel like how they're not speaking awkward it must be <laughs> yeah i don't think yeah. so either imagine how awkward those family get-togethers must be <laughs> oh here's yeah. babs again oh careful what you say she might write you into a teleplay <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's pretty rough. It also apparently draws some inspiration from the book of Genesis, the prize of enlightenment being like the tree of knowledge within it. Oh, I don't know. Oh, and having read about solar winds, she decided to use them as the basis of portion for space vessels. I mean, yeah, I'm all over go. this shit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> I think you've earned yourself a little bit of enlightenment. <laughs> or have you been sampling the prize? That's where you're getting all this stuff right. Another bit here about the script says the first draft of part one did not contain any of the material concerning the Guardians. And Turlo was a peripheral figure with the script focusing on the relationship between the Mariner and Tegan. So that might explain why this is such a mishmash of plot lines. Because that in itself mm. is, that's a serial. That's a good story. Oh no, we're aboard this ship. It's piloted by emotionless uh, Eternals. But Tegan, by being so fascinating or having so fascinating a mind may break through to uh, to one of these Eternals. And in fact, indeed, does. But then that's just a fragment of this serial. Yeah. When I first heard that trivia, I was like, oh, I'm glad we yeah. didn't get that because I can't imagine an entire episode of the really weird and badly handled Mariner stuff. But the way you described it, no, that would have been good. <laughs> right? In fact, it is good. It's just not given enough time. Like, all of these things, all the things that we've said, like, oh, that's got tons yeah. of potential. Oh, that's a really cool idea. That's a really cool idea. All of those things are really, really good serials in their own right, if that's what the serial were about. <laughs> Unfortunately, they try to make a serial that's about all of these things and therefore it's maybe spread a little thin. So sorry, so think uh, Podcast Land, all of you wonderful peeps who love this serial. <laughs> really, really sorry. I hope that you're listening to this and you can you can feel the, the things that that we obviously have taken from it and I don't know I feel like I say this a lot but you know it's just this this real want for more it's like when we know what Doctor Who is capable of we love the show and right of course it's when you can get these kind of concepts and just nail the story nail the production nail the acting at every single level and yeah we're not getting that in this one is is my feeling we get we've got some really good concepts we've got the starting point we haven't got the the fleshing it out well and we haven't got the polish on top yeah um, exactly 
Which is a shame. Because, like, for instance, like, I would have enjoyed the Mariner Tegan stuff more if they had expanded the reason why. Because he, he says something like, her mind is fascinating or something. Like, it's it's so different. What did I write down at one point? It was like the worst chat-up line ever. <laughs> it was, hang on. <laughs> it says, oh, hello. Uh, you're not like any ephemeral I've ever met before. Yeah, hot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I mean, it was all on the delivery, obviously. I, I totally messed it up. Like, if, if Mariner had said that to you, you'd be swooning all over the place. Oh, absolutely. But, but yeah, like, he identifies her as different. And we don't get an explanation for that. Which, I mean, fine. Yeah, maybe, different to everyone else. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, may, maybe some people can look at that and go, oh, wow, Tegan's really cool. She's she's incredible. And we have seen her being incredible. That's fine. But she is still just human from 1980-something. And I would have liked something there that actually said that's because she had the Mara in her head or, you know, something, something along those lines. Oh, yes. Like that could have been an incredible reason for it to be different because she's had one of these weird races that exist outside of physical form and stuff like inside her brain. Like I I love that as an idea. Yeah. I think you just earned yourself the retro rewrite award. I think that's exactly what they should have done there. I suspect that they did something different though. And I suspect that it is far more sexy and far more of its time unfortunately and that's that this is a ship with just dudes and perhaps the BBC in 1983 cannot assume that there might be some sort of romance between two men and therefore when the only woman aboard that ship appears one of the sailors the mariner falls for her because he hasn't seen a woman ever I mean it's sort of believable but then at the same time you've got Rack as the captain of the other ship and so that eternal presumably they don't have the concept of genders that eternal has a appeared in the form of a woman so why couldn't half of the eternals around just appear in the form of a woman like i don't know it's just no that's a good point i i don't disagree i think that's absolutely what they're doing like yeah they're not they're not going to portray a a homosexual love or intrigue uh, you know whatever you want to call it storyline because it is absolutely a like a pseudo romantic thing tegan even says do you feel love and he's like what's love i just like you complete me he basically jerry Maguire's her it's like you complete me. <laughs> or, or what is it? Like you, you fill me. I am empty without you. Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah, get it. I mean, oh god, oh, so creepy. I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I, dude, I just met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do kind of like in some ways how that's done. That he is just creeping all over the shop. Like the creepometer is like dialed as flying out, hitting people in the eye because it can't cope with it. Um, yeah, but and throughout <laughs> all of that, Tegan is just like, "What the fuck? No, stay away from me! No, Jesus Christ! No, what the hell? No!" Yeah, which is you know the right reaction. If they tried to make her fall for him, oh my god, this would be in the negative numbers in my review. I'm pretty sure. You know, I really um, thought that they would when I was watching. I watched this mo- up until moments before we pressed record. And which is why I don't, I haven't really had time to digest any of this. Like, like I sort of watched it whilst eating eggs <laughs> and then jumped into this. <laughs> and <laughs> I definitely thought that well, there's a small risk that they're going to leave her behind, that this is her Exodus episode. And the way that she leaves is that she realizes there's actual good in Mariner. She might be the only person who is capable of bringing that good out you know bring it to the surface and um and then she would stay it would be another romance exodus 
I'm really grateful that they didn't do that. Isn't it? How do you feel about Mariner just fading out? He wants her. He loves her. He desires her. And he is empty without her. And as he's reaching out for her, he just fades out. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the other thing I would change. Like, like if you were making this the main storyline, like, that doesn't cut it. Because all we've seen up until this point is this one-sided creep creeper fair um so to then have that as a dramatic thing at the end just doesn't work for me because you're just 100 percent with tegan of just like no go the fuck away you weirdo like leave me alone yeah whereas if they had if they'd shown some character development from his side or a, a willing from tegan's side to kind of let him understand physical life a bit more and emotions and stuff like something that kind of brought them closer across the void as it were then him disappearing at the end like and it might have been more of a hard thing for her to say or whatever you know and that could have been a more heartfelt goodbye and but still it has to be a goodbye but it's not it's just like a no fuck off (laughs) we're done now yeah which seems really quite callous and in addition to that something else they could have done with that scene is they could have highlighted that it's his realization that is the actual titular enlightenment he grows i mean he under under goes a character metamorphosis across these four episodes, right? He starts off as a weird robot and he ends up reaching out for someone he has actual emotions for. And his enlightenment could be, no, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to continue to grow as a person. I'm going to be full of knowledge and, and feelings, emotions. He's going to turn into an actual individual but we don't know anything about that enlightenment he just disappears and for all we know he goes back to having none of that now, we don't even know exactly. if they exist think, as individuals on the other side of this right I mean even if you believe that they do which I, I didn't see anything to say that they don't exist as individuals but like I see absolutely no evidence that he is like evolved in quotes enough to not go back to how he was before like I think that's the thing like you you're, you're right that he does have a bit of a, a character journey. I just I felt like it was without stabilizers or whatever throughout the whole process, though, that yeah. you you have no acceptance at the end that he's actually learned anything, like he's changed. It's more just, it feels like even just an, an extra level of creep. It's just he's trying every tactic. Oh, interesting. He's, pulling on every string sort of thing like i don't know that it was that superficial that it never felt like a real development oh that's really interesting i don't know if i read it that way i just felt like it was squandered character growth but you know it's it's good i love this okay what else would you change let's let's rewrite this thing let's let's make (laughs) this more to our liking i mean I don't know. I mean, that yeah, focusing on key aspects, I think, is the way. Like, you could make probably three or four different serials out of this. There are so many absolutely like, yeah. se- separate ideas you could you could split apart and say, okay, we're just going to take this one. We're just going to take the idea that there's a, a race in space. Um, yeah. You know, and Doc a and A question crew, for you, by the way. Is this the first time that they've had this race, or has this happened before? I mean, they seem very comfortable with the concept of the race. And yeah, the, and there are rules and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that Rack will be the uh, apologies for using the reference again. You don't know, but the Dick Dastardly of of the bunch, and will yeah. try and sabotage I'm things. Google Dick Dastardly. Oh, I know this character. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I should have googled this before. Sorry. 
if anyone else doesn't know, now is the time to Google it and you can have the same reaction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go for it. Right? That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, so it, it does, it feels like, if, they, if they've not done this exact race, because they, they go to this weird ethereal city i I mean who knows what the the actual thing was that they turn up at where the black guardian and white guardian suddenly appear oh the enlighteners yeah like yeah i mean that's returning to the original question like yeah well yeah i mean that i think so they dock there well i mean i say they dock there the second they arrive everyone just fades out weirdly but yeah i didn't understand that bit really but anyway with the point being that they had a goal for this race a physical goal for this race so presumably they haven't run that exact race before but maybe they've done similar things with with different end goals with like they've moved the finishing line somewhere else i don't know but for some reason at this time somehow <laughs> the black guardian i guess must have said hey uh or they saw a poster <laughs> they, they were hopping around through time and they saw this poster it was like do you have a spaceship from the 15th century uh sorry a ship from the 15th century and want a race in space come to yeah. <laughs> come to Saturn. this is cannonball run three <laughs> There's so many, so many questions. Another simple thing I would change. We've, we've talked about a couple of the kind of cliffhanger things already. So I won't do the whole Jim does cliffhangers stuff, but I would get rid of one of them entirely because it is Rack speaking <gasps> directly to camera at the end of episode three. <laughs> I, I wrote the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, Doctor, you're such a fool. Did you really think your ephemeral mind could defeat me? You've lost. All that waste is your ultimate destruction. <laughs> Love it. I mean, <laughs> n- no. That's terrible Saturday morning cartoon shit. Not, not even good Saturday yes. morning cartoon shit. That's terrible Saturday yes. morning cartoon shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I will grant you that her mwahaha is nowhere near uh, on the same level as the Black Guardians. Yeah, it's actually She's better. trying to be a cartoon <laughs> character. He is the cartoon character that wishes one day to become a human being like he is redonkulous <laughs> he's what the pinocchio of villains <laughs> yeah exactly yes exactly he is the pinocchio of guardians <laughs> <laughs> No, you know what? You've kind of convinced me. I, I don't necessarily like that cliffhanger. What are the other cliffhangers then? Um, the first one I felt was a bit of a pathetic cliffhanger. It was just like, oh, it's not a yacht. We are on a spaceship. Oh, I love that. Wait, you didn't like that? I loved that. I just, I don't know. I felt like it wasn't that much of a reveal. Like, I don't think I knew they were on a spaceship, but I think there were just so many things flying around. It's like, you know, this isn't a normal ship. And then just the, the fact that they were in space is like, well, this is Doctor Who. We're in space like 50% of the time. It's not Most, that yeah, yeah. novel. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there, there were some lovely model ships and stuff. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. Okay, um, yeah. I, I personally like that one. Yeah. It Number didn't need two. a resolution or anything. Number two, oh, we did. We did. Yeah, this is what I was say, saying. We've spoken about this one because this is Turdlow throwing himself off the ship. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's pretty incredible, actually, as a as a cliffhanger, I think. Yeah, that's totally badass. I um. I don't know. I I found it slightly comical, the whole kind of Black Guardian overhead voice and him just going, oh, I will never serve <laughs> you again. And it's it's not portrayed very well, but in my mind, everyone else just stood around going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Can we put a pin in this? Because I have... I have questions about that threat of the Black Guardians. So let's put a pin in that, wrap up cliffhangers, and then maybe return to that pin if, you, if you're I mean, happy with that. We could probably just go straight to the pin, because uh, we've already talked about the resolution of that, of them trying to rescue him and it ended up on the other ship. And we've talked about the next cliffhanger for episode three. So that's the cliffhanger. Okay, well, fair pin. enough. Yeah, grab that pin. <laughs> 
All right. The Black Guardian goes, Dude, bro, you failed to kill the Doctor, and as penitence, I will make you live forever aboard this ship. That's it. You, you are stuck here forever. And Turlog throws himself overboard. That's step one. They try to rescue him. He really wants to survive, but why does he want to be rescued and brought back aboard the ship? He just jumped off the ship because he doesn't want to be on the ship forever. That's step two. And step three, when he's in the vacuum room, in the grid room, the Black Guardian strangles him, or takes a chokehold on him, throws him to the floor and goes, you will die. Well, that's exactly what Turlo wanted. Dying is not the same as being aboard this ship forever. That's a win for Turlo. I mean... I wouldn't go that far, but... <laughs> okay, maybe that's not... Yeah, okay, fine. But, I mean, as situations go, as as fates go, surely it's... I mean, he, he recognizes himself that it is probably preferable to die than to spend eternity aboard this ship outside of time and space. So why doesn't I mean, he welcome that? I didn't really enjoy how this this played out. I mean, how quickly Turlo is just like accepting that fate that um, the Black Guardian can make him stay on that ship forever. And it's Stryker's ship that he thinks he's going to get Stryker stuck ship, on. You're right. Which is why he's kind of relieved and wants to be rescued by the other ship because he feels like well I interpreted that as he feels like he's like he's he's escaping that fate he's he's breaking this, the rules by managing to get onto a different ship it's like well I can't be stuck forever on this ship if I've left it but in that that whole bucket then you've got the Black Guardian physically attacking him aboard the other ship it's just also it's like, like, at this point like why why is Turlo just surprised at anything why hasn't he had the wit to let Doc know what the fuck's going on. Um, or just something. Like, earlier in the serial, he grabs the... No, in the... No, in the vac- vacuum shield room, doesn't he get out yeah. the crystal and ask the Black Guardian to help? Yeah, he does. The Black Guardian says, you're going to die here, and then he begs him for help. And yeah. then Doc appears I mean, and he begs him for help. <laughs> and I feel like that was yeah. meant to be played as this like amazing moment where he's he's switched allegiances sort of thing. But it's it's just ridiculous. Like this guy, you'd literally just try to kill yourself because this Black Guardian threatened to make you stay forever on this weird spaceship ship thing. And now you're rubbing his genie lamp to get him to help you. <laughs> I mean Yes, exactly. Yeah. No. I, I I don't really <laughs> get that either. It, it feels almost as though the Black Guardian was just bluffing the first time around as well when he says, you will stay here forever, because as you say, that is Stryker's ship. That's not the Black Guardian's ship. Like, he's not in charge. He's not the captain. Stryker's the captain. When he says, you will stay here forever, there's no reason Turlo should believe him. But then when he says, you will die here, or like, you will die now, or I will kill you, or whatever, then I mean, why wouldn't Turlo just go, well, wait, hang on, which is it? Either I live forever, or I die. It seems to me like maybe you're incapable of doing either. <laughs> like these are just <laughs> empty threats. Because otherwise, yeah. wouldn't he have done it? Or like, I, I don't understand what he has over Turlo. I think uh, yeah, like occasionally he's zap- well, maybe only once he zaps him with the crystal. And it's like I mean, Turlo should have just thrown the crystal away and gone to Doc. Like in the first serial we we had with him, probably like um, there's this dude that wants me to kill you. He's crazy 
as. Can you help me? <laughs> There's an element of the Black Guardian having made him sort of sign an agreement, right? In the first one, with Tur- oh, in the first yeah. part of this trilogy, Turlo was in a traffic accident, and the Black Guardian kind of saves his life, sort of restores his life in exchange for him pledging allegiance to him. But, I mean, clearly that isn't... Like, it's not just, pardon the the expression, black or white situation. It's not like, oh, right, I've now... I, I've sworn allegiance to the Black Guardian. I have no choice but to do what he what he wants. Because Turlo doesn't do everything he wants. It, was it the last serial that he goes, no, you kill him, and you can blame me for it. You kill him. Yeah. So clearly there's a way for him to just not do it. And in this one, he jumps overboard. It's not like he's puppeted. Puppeteered. <laughs> puppeteered? Puppeted. He's not a puppet of the Black Guardians. Like, he's not literally controlled by him. He's just ordered around by him. And he's capable of disobeying orders. Yeah. Again, again it's just this weird... Um discrepancy with power and threat and yeah you're right i don't know i don't know it's just i mean fair enough like this is a a very unique situation we will presumably never experience (laughs) having uh (laughs) some kind of godlike being um pulling us back from uh, potentially dying and then saying can you kill this dude (laughs) for me please um and then i'll let you live highly unlikely yeah, don't don't really know what I would hundred percent do in that situation. And even if I thought this is what I would do, could well do something totally differently if it happened. But still, like there has been so many situations where it's just like, no, this guy is not as powerful as he claims, or he needs me more than I need him, sort of thing. Or you know what, the doctor must have a clue about what's going on. Maybe I should be more worried about what he's going to do to me. Or you know, just so many, so many different things should be happening with Turlo rather than just this weird constant on-off. Oh no, I'm not going to do what you you want me to, Black Guardian. Oh, oh, Black Guardian, help me. Yeah, that's just not buying it, and just a bit bored of it. So I'm glad that it's probably gone away for a while. I feel like Black Guardian's coming back the way they left it open. I just looked it up. Doesn't. Really? I mean, it ends with... What? Yeah, it, 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 yeah exactly. I, I literally just looked it up. It ends with, oh, there's going to be a third encounter. Balls, really? Really? We're going to need this again? Uh, <laughs> and I just looked it up. No, never again. I mean, he might reappear in New Who. Who knows? Maybe at some point, but hasn't yet. There are some appearances in audiobook form, in comics, and in novels, but nothing in, um, uh, in TV Who. Well, that's just shit. I mean, I can't blame this serial for that but i really felt like they left that as as a the black guardian will return in exactly <laughs> octopus um <laughs> not the only cliffhanger of this serial finale it's also the where are we going next well we're going to my home world says turlo uh, yes boom True. or my planet yeah so that's something to look forward to kind of guessing yes. that'll be the last that we see of turlo returning to his home leave him there f off never see him again please <laughs> i mean that would be nice in brackets pretty please yeah exactly <laughs> 
But I, w- I would also accept and hope that if he does stay on, they've put this Black Guardian thing behind them and they're just going to try and work his character into something else. I think there's, I mean, from what I've read, no one enjoyed the chemistry between these characters. Davison, uh, what's her name, Tegan? I've forgotten her name again. Janet Fielding. Janet Fielding, thank you. And what's his face? Uh, not even going to look it up. Turlo. They did not enjoy each other. Like, they didn't enjoy... They didn't have chemistry on set. They didn't have chemistry on screen. And I don't think that they want to continue traveling together. I also pretty sure... I mean, I'm, I'm making a an assumption here. This is... I'm basing this only on our impression of it, but like I'm assuming that the audience in 1983 also didn't enjoy these people together. Because why would they? Tolo's an ass clown. He does <laughs> nothing but stab backs. That's his shtick. Tegan's great, but has never really like is never really allowed to live out her full potential with the Doctor. She was kind of in Nissa's shadow back in the day. And yeah. now every time that we, we see her, we're like, oh shit, she's got serious potential. But yeah, where is that? Doc doesn't like her. He left her behind. On like He tries to leave her behind all the time. <laughs> yes. So I'm assuming that we never see Turlo again after the next one. I'm not going to look it up. That's just for no. I don't want to look it up either. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. You mentioned, uh, I guess, well, you talk about the relationships in general, but there's a nice moment in episode one actually where they they kind of turn it on its head. The usual thing where Doc is leaving with one or more companions, and one or more companions are told to stay behind in the TARDIS, and this time it's Tegan is told to stay behind in the TARDIS, but he yeah. says it's. Because he trusts her and he wants her to take, basically, I mean, basically be a receptionist, but, you know, he trusts her to get the message from the White Guardian if the White Guardian tries to contact again. And Um, also to not potentially steal the TARDIS. Yes. (laughs) When he said that, I thought that he suspected something in Turlo, that he basically wanted to keep his enemies closer, you know? Yeah, I mean, we get this bit at the start, and then basically the whole thing at the end with it being the the kind of test for Turlo to not take the Enlightenment, and he ends up accidentally burning Black Guardian alive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's crazy bananas, by the way. That's absolutely, like, wait, what happens to him? I don't know. It seemed like one of these kind of, I'm trying to think if Men in Black does it, or I think, uh, well, like a Deadpool situation where he will regenerate enough, but, you know, he's going to be a little, in a little baby form for a while or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he does a master thing and he just, you know, Emperor Palpatine's around in a black cloak for a little bit, all burnt and gross and manky. Maybe. Yeah. Oof, my loof. Okay, you know what? Enough about the Guardian, enough about Turlo. Who else do we have? There's one thing that was subtly alluded to in our intro, which, yeah, this this was my doing, because I, I like the coincidental fact that two of the cast members shared a very similar surname in that we had Linda Barron oh, playing yes. Captain Rack, and we had Keith Barron, with two R's, playing Striker. And I probably, along with a lot of people that grew up with British television in the 80s, recognize both of them. Oh, Linda really? Barron, to me, is best known as Nurse Gladys and Manuel from Open All Hours. She's also no done idea what that is. Some other stuff, like she was in EastEnders in the two thousands, and some oh wow other sitcomy things. I think Keith Barron, I didn't recognize as much. He's done shitloads of things. One of the people that started in the kind of Z Cars era and all that. But I, I think I actually remember him from a very terrible TV show called Duty Free, which was basically I think two couples from different class 
situations going on holiday to Spain and they meet and then two of them have an affair or something like that. I don't know. I read about it the other day and it rang some vague bells, but <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I want to watch that. I mean, I think it's I mean, I want to watch one bad. episode of it and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not quite sure you'd even make it through one episode. I, I saw like a 30 second clip and I was just like, what? Oh my God. Is this what I used to watch in the 80s? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a pile of shit. I desperately need to see it. <laughs> There were some people in the cast that had previous experience acting, <laughs> not just that guy who was <laughs> grabbed. Well, because this is the thing, actually, like one of the people that could have been in this episode was Peter Salas, uh, plays does the voice of Gromit. It was in Last of the Summer Wine. All that right, stuff. yeah. But he he wasn't available, and so they cast. I think that was I think that was Stryker's character. So that was Keith Barron. I don't know. And I then, think I saw a piece of trivia that said that he missed the like the, the casting day or something like that. That he got I, his his calendar days mixed oh, up. Really? And just because of that little blunder, he wasn't cast in this. But I might be conflating uh-huh. him with someone else. I feel like I saw that somewhere in the trivia. Okay, I think the thing I saw was just it seemed like they had a lot of production issues with this, and there were some strikes happening. And I don't know. I think oh, the also, original yeah, right. recording dates had to be pushed back, and so Peter Salas wasn't available when they finally got to record it. And also, who did they want to play? They wanted David Rule to be Mansell, and he was not available, which is why this guy who had never acted before, never acted before, this musician comes in called Lee Lee John, which I still think is quite Love incredible. Him, <laughs> he's so freaking cool. He's just so chilled out. I really like it. He's so chilled that it it creeps me out. And that might be what they were trying to go for. You know, they might have been uh, saying like, listen, look at this Mariner guy. He is a creep to the hilt. He like he is so freaking bananas. It's insane. And another thing that we haven't mentioned: none of these Eternals ever blink. They we never see them blink. And so the mm, they may just have told this dude what was his name Lee John. They may just have told him, dude Meister, just be exactly as weird and robotic as that guy pointing at Mariner, and never <laughs> ever fucking blink. And he just does it. He's he is in no way natural. You know, he doesn't act the way that. Like, the reason we think he's a bad actor is because he doesn't act like a human being, but he isn't meant to be a human being. And it might be that the directing he got was just just that. That guy, he can't act either. Pretend to be him. And <laughs> Lee John is so fucking good. He nails it. You know what? I'm actually kind of buying that because I, I seriously had that thought. I can't remember if it was him or Mariner's actor. I've forgotten who he was. Or just all of them. I had that thought. Like, are they are they bad actors or are they just really good at acting non-human? Hmm. <laughs> I think that's it. I, I reckon that's it. <laughs> Another actor who I think was considered for, I want to say Mansell, was Richard Griffiths. Oh, Uncle Monty. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty badass. That would have been badass. I mean, he's badass and everything. So Yeah. Oh, that's true. How would you feel about rating this? I would feel fantastic. <laughs> well, let's do it then. <laughs> okay. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. 
I appreciate that a lot of people in podcast land, a lot of people in general really like this serial. And in dissecting it, I think I might even get it. There is a lot of interesting stuff happening in this serial. But I do fear, and to clarify, this is just my opinion, the Gustibus, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I fear that for me, this is a case of it being less than the sum of its parts. There's no follow through on, on most of these things that we've listed that are really, really good. I don't know if this is uh, what the trilogy has led up to, or if it just happens to be the last part of a series of stories about nefarious shit that the Black Guardian happened to have been up to, you know? Did he need this race to give them enlightenment? I doubt it. How was Captain Rack approached by the Guardian? We don't find out. Why was Turlo chosen? Who are the Enlighteners? Why are there spacesuits? What happened to the sailors? In all of these areas, I crave enlightenment. I think this serial, though, has tremendous philosophical ambition, because it deals with enlightenment, obviously. It touches upon someone defining themselves through their discovery of emotions. Uh, it defines the value of life in the brevity of life, etc. But unfortunately, I don't actually see any of that come to fruition. Now, we haven't gotten to the listener minis yet, and this isn't even a listener mini. There's a there's a listener maxi lurking in the wings, and I confess I haven't read it yet, but I'm super looking forward to reading it because, I mean, we'll get to that when we get to that, but because I suspect that it'll touch upon that philosophical value, that, that philosophical potential much more expertly than I am able to myself. Anyway, all in all, I am giving this serial mostly for potential and ambience, and for giant switches on walls, a 2.9. Whoa! <laughs> oh, is that too low? Is that too nice. high? Oh, no. Nice work. It's higher than I was expecting. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Your turn, sir. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, I'm gonna... oh everyone's going to hate me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, as you might have gathered, if you've listened to the rest of this podcast, as Leon has also summarized, like there are a lot of questions that are just left unanswered, and that's never satisfying. I'm basically reading from the same hymn sheet as Leon, I think, that it just feels like there's some really good ideas, and I do like a lot of those ideas, but it's not gifted with a decent payoff. And yeah, I'm just left feeling frustrated. So like the questions that I had, basically, like all mostly operating on this concept of like, who can do what? What what powers exist in this this universe? What what can enlighteners do? What can eternals do, etc. So like, why could they make a room for Tegan from Tegan's mind, but they couldn't imagine other amazing and useful things? Like there's, there's this reoccurring oh, right. concept of they have no imagination or they can't think about material physical things unless they take it from someone's mind but like even one person's mind is full of bonkers and amazing things like and i'm sure there are ways to use that other than just going oh here's a nice room for you tegan anyway the whole thing about the black guardian why did he set up this race did he actually set up this race how did he set up this race <laughs> you know that's huh? it and, th and then it's like what the fuck is he doing with Tur Turdlow? Why does he need Turdlow? That's the recurring thing throughout all these serials. And then we get the additional of, why does he physically strangle Turdlow? I mean, I get it. I kind of want to do it too. But still, like, <laughs> like, you're some kind of metaphysical being. And you're asking this guy to help you kill another physical being, the Doctor, 
and we kind of felt like maybe you can manifest things but no you can just appear physically we've seen you make uh, chairs go across the room yeah what the hell are you doing with this pretend school kid trying to kill someone for you it just doesn't make any sense and then at the flip side of that we've got now the white guardian getting in on this business of not making sense like <laughs> Why does the White Guardian pop up in this thing and ask for Doc's help? I mean, the, the setup is that the White Guardian's part of this plan as well. Like The White Guardian is quite happy to hand over enlightenment to whoever wins this race. He just wanted it rigged in a certain way that it didn't go to the Eternal. I don't know. Like, what's the motivation there? Why, you know, why does he pop up to get the dock? And why does he need a bloody signal boost? Yeah, what is with these powers that the Guardians have and or don't have? Whatever. And then Turlo, like, he should be going through a really dramatic storyline through these through three serials. We should be having so much doubt and we should be wondering if the Doctor's playing this long game and none of it is paying off. We just left with, why hasn't Turlo asked the Doctor for help yet? Why hasn't that, you know, switching of size happened? And it seems to half happen in this serial in a really pathetic way. And then it kind of also seems like they've said Doc did know that Turlo was betraying him the whole time and some reason didn't act on it, didn't didn't show anything about it. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced either... As Leon says, Turlo will go to his home planet and disappear in the next serial, or he'll go to his home planet and carry on as a completely different character. Like, all of this backstabbing stuff will just go to the sideline, and he will just be an alien in the TARDIS. That's it will so just be forgotten yeah. about forever. Maybe wrong, totally, but it just it doesn't feel like there's anything left for this character in this weird setup to be satisfactory anymore. And it, and it wasn't in the first place anyway, but anyway... Um, and yeah, the, the the icing on the turd cake for that is like this whole scene where the Black Guardian threatens to make Turlo live for eternity on a ship in space, like a wooden ship in space, which drives Turlo to out of despair. So he throws himself off the ship, tries to kill himself, but then left in dire straits, he calls on the Black Guardian for help. Doesn't shout for help to anyone else, rubs his magic lantern crystal. It just makes no sense at all. And I just, all these, all these things are like a massive sack I'm dragging through this entire serial and it's just it's not fun it's not fun which is a real shame because there are some nice things like the concepts we've already talked about like there are some amazing concepts in here but other things like simple things like you know the boat sets like we've got a couple of different types of boats in here the, we only see obviously interiors and the one bit on deck but I feel like they were all pretty incredible the model work that we get it's not used as much as it could have done but the boats all look fantastic and then all of this is brought together with the the deck scene with the lighting being really atmospheric we're glancing off to see the spaceship mm, yeah. um, sorry the, the the pirate ship model in the background yeah that's wonderful really really top-notch stuff and I, I like the characterization of the Eternals in general, like their lack of regard for life. It's a little bit of trope in science fiction. Like we mentioned Q continuum a couple of times. And yeah, you see it. You see it there and you see it here as well. But I, I like that. And I think they did it quite well in a couple of places in this. And I also really, really loved the idea, which we haven't mentioned so far, of the TARDIS being hidden inside Doc's mind. Like, that's a lovely idea. But again, it's like, well, if you had that power, what the hell else could you have done? Anyway, anyway, I, anyway. I meant to ask you, what the hell does that mean? It was hidden in your mind. What? 
That's no wait. Yeah, we can't get into that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know what it means. I I take it as face value. They could literally hide something in thought or something. Like they can manifest things from thought. So why not hide something in thought? But yeah, that's an incredible power. So why isn't it used in different ways? Anyway, I don't feel satisfied at the end of this. I don't feel like I've had an enjoyable trip through space. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Which which means I have to sit below two point five in my book i had a little look around about other things i've i've rated okay and i'm sorry i settled on (laughs) 1.8 and that was that was so much bullshit out of my mouth i'm sorry (laughs) that was that was a big rating (laughs) love it nice one cakes Right, shall we have a look at what Podcast Land has to say? Let's. Listener minis, now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Well, here we are again at the listener mini section of our podcast. That's right. <laughs> we have a total, I think we decided, of seven listener minis. That's right. So... Slash maxis, slash the more, we'll get back to that. Yeah, okay. So we we've done a bit of lucky dip and we're gonna read three lucky magical people three of those in their full gorgeous you know literary magnificence everyone else we're just gonna do a little bit of uh, snippets from that's right um which we are gonna start with one of those Stephen. Stephen. From Canada. Hello, Stephen. Uh, hello, Stephen. Stephen says the effects are gorgeous. This would have made or broke this serial, but they are above and beyond what was necessary. The models are amazing, as are the explosions. Agreed. Also, Those explosions are gorgeous. Absolutely mm. fantastic. No, very true. We did not highlight that. No, cinema Th- great explosions. So, Stephen. Yeah. Stephen also says the music is enchanting and perfectly matches the story. I might not wholly agree with that point, but uh, fine. And he also says this story earns the exceedingly less rare five Turlow-approved pirate BDSM se- sessions out of five. Holy moly. Wow. Highly, uh, highly approve of your rating system, but can only applaud your huge heart because I don't agree with your rating, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very good stuff. People who are not Stephen from Canada, fret not, you can uh, read Stephen's full mini, as Jim said. Head on over to whobackone.com, read it there in its full splendor. And also, please do high-five Stephen from Canada on Twitter. He can be found where, Jim? He can be found at S. Andrew Etchen. That's right. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Who's next? Next up, we've got Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello. Hello, Kieran. So we got some snippets of Kieran's, the first being Great Direction from Fiona Cumming, and it's Barbara Clegg's only produced script. She submitted several others after this one, but they were turned down, though two have been made into Big Finish's Lost Stories range. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And uh, what a shame that there weren't more on TV. Um, Anywho, Kieran continues and concludes, in fact, and we get a resolution to Turlow and the Black Guardian. And yes, the White Guardian is the same guy as in the Reboss operation. That feels a long time ago, agreed. And a tease at a rematch? Well, still waiting on that one. And Kieran says uh, this is his highlight of the season and gives it 
4.5 out of 5. Holy smoke, wow. and cheesecakes, that's another huge heart. That is a enormous heart. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you very much, Kieran. People who are not Kieran, read this on the website in its full splendor and high-five Kieran online. I'm sure he will high-five you right back. He can be found aware, Jim? At KJ Evans 2. That's right. That's two the number. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Next up, ooh, we've got a lucky dip. Yes, ding, 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 this, ding, ding. <laughs> this fortunate chap whose name is Ed Corbet. Why, we Hello, read this one Ed out in cool. Hello, Ed. <laughs> it's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. Right, let's get into this then. The White Guardian kindly shows up to tell the Doctor where the story is this week, so he has an excuse to go there. Handy. Episode 1 is a slow burner. We're introduced to a mysterious ship. We can tell something's wrong, but we don't know why. The ship sets look really good, and get away from the corridor setting you often get on the budgets of this era. We're introduced to the Eternals, beings that can read any thought from a human mind, except for, stay away from me, you creepy weirdo. (laughs) have no emotions except the pirates who seem to be having a great time the pirates seem to enjoy blowing up their competitors for fun as it turns out their ship was fast enough to have won anyway and their captain delights in telling the audience the doctor is doomed earning a 3.2 on the soul deed scale (laughs) (laughs) this is excellent stuff ed it continues this is the first zero in a while where the companions get a fair amount to do and are not upstaged by the guest cast Mm -hmm. i don't know if this is a one-off yet though As classic who stories go, this one is fine. The story builds at a good pace, and with the reveal that we're actually in space at the episode one cliffhanger, we essentially get two establishing episodes for the price of one. Hmm. And it concludes, while I generally enjoyed this serial, I can't say there was really anything it that would make me come back for more. So, Ed gives us, well, I feel a more reasonable number of (laughs) 2.6 out of (laughs) 5. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much, Ed. Oh, excellent mini. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Yes. Thank you, Ed. People who are not Ed, find Ed. Tell him hi for us. (laughs) (laughs) But like not in a creepy stalkery way. Like if you just happen to know it. (laughs) Yeah, if he says stay away from me, you creepy weirdo, then you should you should listen, you know? Yeah. Who's next? Why, it's the Zoonmeister, Peter Zunich. Hello, Peter. What up, Peter? Hello. Oh, and it's a lucky dip as well. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Peter starts. I'm sure many were wondering, and the answer is yes. The Doctor was aware Turlo was being influenced from the moment he found the communication crystal in Mordrin Undead. In order to save Turlo, he had to let it play out, even at risk of himself. Enlightenment is the choice, and the Doctor's deadpan stance when Turlo finally confronts his decision, emphasizes his resolve, and explains every move he crafted in playing a long game worthy of the seventh Doctor <laughs> himself. I'm not sure I buy that, by the way, but yeah, I'm, okay, I'm, fine. I like you got that. <laughs> Peter, but yeah, I'm not really with you. (laughs) Uh, Peter continues, hate me if you will for saying this, Hmm. (laughs) but the concept of sailing ships in space is even more cool than the space battleship Yamoto herself. I've had to Google that. It is a Japanese science fiction anime series produced and written by Yoshinobu Nishizaki. 
I'm not familiar with that. It's from 1974, so I, I, I guess it's an anime classic. Okay, all right, cool. I will look that up. The styles and concept in the story do not disappoint its role as climax to the three-part arc. From concept to execution, for the time. Everything here would have made an amazing new Who story. Only classic got there first. From space suits to blank stares, from fishing nets to rowdy crew, the directing and performances are top-notch. Tegan is wonderful. Turlo is perfectly scattered. Mariner is both enchanting and creepy. And when it's explained in the end who is what and what they are there for... It all just works so perfectly. The only answer missing is why the Guardians host the race in the first place. But absence of an answer isn't a flaw. It's genius. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Peter? Um. (laughs) Peter concludes, I always walk away from this story wanting two things. Fresh celery and more of this story. Eternally rewatchable, delightfully ephemeral, a perfect journey. And Peter gives this a score of 5.0. Wow. Holy moly, it's Peter Zunich's huge heart. Yep. That's incredible. (laughs) That's absolutely fantastic. Love it. Peter, do you you know Stephen from Canada? Stephen, do you know Peter? (laughs) I feel like you guys have some stuff to talk about. Oh, very good stuff. Thank you very much, Peter. Great stuff. Who's next? I don't know why Uh, I'm back to singing. It's this rum. I'm sorry. (laughs) Next up, it's Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? What up, Andy? (laughs) (laughs) You got there first, dude. Well done. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Andy. And Andy is another lucky dip. This is purely coincidence that they've happened three in a row. We should also say we're going to be reading Andy's mini because Andy also submitted a maxi, which will pop on the website. Thank you very much, Andy, for being such a spiffing chap. Indeed. So, into said mini. Ahoy, chaps! Ahoy back. Ahoy, ahoy. We're all shiver my timbers, splice the main brace, and heave to for a nautical adventure in the higher spaces. <laughs> or something like that. I'm not going to attempt that voice. Well done. <laughs> in something of a throwback to the war game, some super creepy Eternals have extracted semen. <laughs> from different eras in order to take part in a winner-takes-all space race in order to live out the emotions of the ephemerals. It feels very reminiscent to the Star Trek story The Cage, or Menagerie, and also the Q continuum. With a cracking guest cast, Keith Barron is good as Striker, and Christopher Brown as Super Stalker Mariner. All are upstaged by the wonderful pantomime villain Captain Rack, played by Linda Barron. She all but slaps her thigh with every line delivery, and sparkles throughout. No. Nice. Here we go. (laughs) Andy then provides a list of likes and a list of beefs. Let's ping pong these. Likes. The lighting of the TARDIS in the opening scenes. Beautifully atmospheric. I don't know if it's the writing or direction, but Tegan is great, as is Peter Davison's Doctor. He actually is more authoritative and always in charge. And the boofs. First boof. Why are the Guardians wearing dead birds on their heads? Did the costume designer get pooped on by a bird and is out for revenge? That's now what I'm thinking is can. Okay. Um, Next and last beef. When they first land on the ship, the camera rolls to simulate the ocean. But they're in space, so there's no tides. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah. Overall, says Andy, this is a fun romp with a great guest cast and strong performances from the TARDIS team. It seems such a shame we only get one story from Barbara Clegg, as it's a good start. Yes. 
Here's our friend who agrees with us. Mm-hmm. And Andy awards this 4.3 salty semen <laughs> out of five. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Andy. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you, Andy. People who are not Andy, we sympathize. Well, don't you worry. Uh, head on over to whomac1.com. Please read his maxi in his full splendor. And also, high five Andy online. He can be found at Caffrey's what, Jim? 71. That's right. That's 71, the number. Thanks very much, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Next up, holy moly, it's ten six fingers. Hello. <laughs> Bloody rum. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Tans. Hey, Ben. <laughs> hey, Tans. Just a little bit of snipperoonie for Tans. Uh, we've run out of lucky dip tickets. Uh, we're jumping straight to the end of Tans' review, which goes like this. Since they are Eternals, and this was just a diversion for them, I would have thought their race should have lasted years, not days, although the idea of using the planets as marker boys was good. I think this was a decent end to the trilogy, and the ending provided some closure for the Doctor to be able to trust Turlo. So, Tans gives this what, Leon? Excellent question. Tans gives this 3.2 red crystals of destruction out of 5. Which I think is a pretty spiffing rating, quite frankly. Absolutely. I'm mm, 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 chewing on that and it's tasty as... <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Tan Six Fingers. People who are not Tan Six Fingers, you know the drill. Head on over to backone.com. Read this mini in its full splendor. It's a, it's a really good one. Uh, and also, please say hi to Tan Six Fingers on uh, Twitter and the Graham. Tan's Six Fingers and Tan Six Fingers. That's six, the number, and the word, respectively. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ben. Who we got Who's next? next? <laughs> Why is Paul wearing? Oh my goodness, what is Paul wearing? He's a spiffing gentleman. Know. Thank you for Ask asking. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, Paul. Hello, Paul. We're going to do the old snipperoonian cheesecakes here as well. And Paul concludes with, if there's anything wrong with this story, it's how the Guardians and Internals have seemingly limitless power, yet they can't use it. The most obvious example of this is the Black Guardian threatening to kill Turlo while saying he's somehow forbidden. By whom? From killing the Doctor. Weird. But it's a minor issue in an otherwise fun nautical romp. And overall, says Paul, I really enjoyed this story, especially in the nautical theme and costumes. So nice. Paul gives this four out of five. Excellent stuff. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, Paul. Peeps who are not Paul, read the mini in its full splendor on the website. You know how the internet works. You don't want to miss this one. And also say hi to Paul online. Paul can be found at P. Wearing. That's right. Wearing. That's right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Last but not least, it is technically a maxi. Uh, this one comes from Stephen B. That's Stephen of New to Who podcast fame. Fantastic podcast. Who sent us... I mean, it's... It's incredibly long. This is what I was alluding to earlier. I haven't had a chance to read this yet. I'm so sorry, because we don't tend to read the minis before we record this. But holy moly, I'm inclined to say this would be pretty great to pop on the Who Back When blogs. To give you a little taste of uh, the kind of Whovian goodness you can expect from uh, Stephen's Mega Maxi, feast your earballs on this. 
Enlightenment is Peter Davison's perfect story. However, this does not, I would argue, result entirely due to its obvious and totemic ingredients. Giving Hulor such boons as the, to date, last showdown between the Guardians and their respective agents, and the occasionally and tantalizingly referred to Eternals in the post-2005 series, the story is fundamentally a simple morality tale told amidst a backdrop of high adventure while steeped in the comfort of an identifiably rich Doctor Who mythos. Ay caramba! Mm-mm. Yeah. Steve Meister, if I haven't spoken to you already, I'm going to get in touch with you and see if perhaps you would like this to appear on the blog. Either way, Podcast Land, you'll be able to find it via this episode on whobackone.com. In the meantime, please say hi to Stephen online. He can be found at Steed Stalin and also at New to Who Podcast. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Stephen. Good stuff. Thank you, Stephen. And yeah, thank you everyone. That's the end of the listener minis. There are some big hearts amongst you, that's for sure. <laughs> Holy moly, yes. Are we wrong, Jim? Is that what's happened here? Are we simply mistaken? Never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, but no. <laughs> what is life but uncertain? Um, okay, that wraps up Enlightenment. I mean, possibly. I'm not sure how enlightened I am at the end of this. But for now, we're done. (laughs) And so what have we got coming next? In the next classic thing, we'll be leading straight on from this, I would assume, possibly in Turlo's home world. It's called The King's Demons. That's right. Ahead of that, though, we're going to be visiting New Who territory with the Eaters of Light. Do not remember that from the title at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bonus territory maybe some audio adventures coming at some point yeah yeah absolutely yeah, we recorded yeah. another one last night <laughs> so so that might be coming up very very soon in the meantime though you can say hi to us right why of course we are both on those tweety bloops you can find me at jimmy the who uh, jimmy the who that's correct well done okay you cool just checking attentively oh my um, dear fellow of course <laughs> Yes. And and your your good self, where could one find you, Miss Leo? Oh, if one were so inclined, I suppose one could trek across to add Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N, and uh, wave me hello. I shall wave right back. I very rarely tweet, but I do interact with people, so say hi. Don't be shy. <laughs> that right. It is, but I. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> well, on that note... We hope you've enjoyed listening to us. We've enjoyed talking to you. I've had great fun talking to you, Mr. Leon. Until the next time, though. Chatting with you, Cakes. Stay safe out there and uh, look after yourselves. And see ya. Yeah, rock on. Cha ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. ciao.
Black Queen.